Welcome to Easier, a podcast about making life and work easier. I'm Anthony Wagner, and this is episode number 47. Each Wednesday, we're chatting about the best tips, ideas, and strategies for living and working more simply. I believe that when things are easier, we have more time for what matters most. This week, we have a phenomenal guest on the show. Her name is Lisa Eldred Steinkopf, and she is known as the Houseplant Guru from her website, thehouseplantguru.com. She is an incredible local entrepreneur and content creator, and her website delivers tips and strategies for having houseplants in your home and keeping them alive and beautiful. So we're going to talk to her about the three best houseplants for beginners and a whole lot more. And that's for make life easier. Then for make work easier after the interview, I'm going to quickly tell you the houseplants that I have in my office at work. I've got a houseplant related favorite thing and we'll end the episode with my struggle bus on not having enough light in my apartment to keep my plants alive. Let's get started. Before we jump into the interview, I want to remind you that I just got back from a cruise. I actually recorded this episode, uh, you know, a week before I left, but, uh, you know, in the interview even before that, but I'm just now getting back, and so I should be getting back into the swing of things if you've left a voicemail for me, um, calling in about the struggle bus, or left comments on social, or sent me an email, any of that, I should be responding to it now, so thank you for your patience if I've been a little bit delayed, but I've been disconnected. So, without further ado, do, we are going to jump into my interview with Lisa Eldred Steinkopf, the houseplant guru. Let's go. On the phone today, we have Lisa Eldred Steinkopf. She's also known as the houseplant guru, and she's a blogger and speaker who is obsessed with houseplants. She brings her audience practical tips, tools, and advice that help them find success with plants, no matter the situation. On her blog, she covers everything from common myths to best practices. She's been published all over the web, including on HGTV Gardens, Michigan Gardener Magazine, and Real Simple Magazine, and she's been featured on a number of podcasts, just like this one, and is often asked to speak to folks around the metro Detroit area. Thank you so much, Lisa, for being on the show today. Thanks, Anthony, for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, absolutely. We've been working together. Yeah, I know you can. Well, you know, we've been working together for so, so long, both on your on your website and your computer stuff. That's how I, I met you. And yeah, we talk a lot about houseplants, even when I'm fighting with your broken computers. Yes, thank you for putting up with that. And thank you for such a wonderful <laughs> website. It really is beautiful. Thank you very much. I'm so glad. Yeah, I know that you, you know, we spent uh, a while work getting that done. And I really think that uh, that folks like it. So I'm glad that I was able to to help you with that. So today we're getting ready to talk about overall the three best houseplants for beginners, but I have a couple of other areas that I wanted to jump into first. So the first thing I wanted to get to was three common 
questions about houseplants that you face all the time in your speaking and in the people that you work with. So let's just jump right in and talk to me like I have no idea what I'm doing because in general, for me, I don't. I used to kill all my plants, but ever since you gave me the little tips that we're going to cover, I don't kill them anymore. So <laughs> so that's good. Um, number one, and this is really where I killed my plants, was how do I properly water my houseplants? Okay. So... I, first of all, I tell people, never water on a schedule. So many people tell me that I water my plants every Friday. Okay. And sometimes that works just fine. But as a rule, we're, all, we're here in Michigan, um, we may have, and usually do, a whole week maybe of non-sunny days. It's cloudy. It's cooler. Your plants are not going to use as much light. There's not as much light, so they're not going to use as much water. So I tell them, first of all, check your plant on a schedule. Every Friday, check your plants. Some of them may need water. Some of them may not. And when you water, you always water until the water runs out the very um, necessary drainage hole. have to have a drainage hole. We'll talk about that later. Um, so you, you water every plant the same. So if it's a cactus or if it's a fern, which is a water lover, we all know cactus aren't necessarily water lovers, um, you water it till the water runs out the bottom. The key is you may not water your cactus again for two or three months, maybe. But you may water your fern again next week or maybe even in a few days. So we always want that water running through. It draws oxygen through. It makes sure the whole root ball is saturated. And then we're going to let it dry down quite a bit with the, almost to, to dryness for the cactus, but never really let it dry down for a fern, let's say. Yeah, that's that's pretty much where I think I ran into trouble with all of my plants is that I would not water them properly. I just give them a little bit and think, oh, it's good. And they weren't. They didn't have enough water and they, they didn't like it. Or I super overwatered them and they would get saturated and, and die. <laughs> so Yes, and it, uh, it is all about light. You know, the more light a plant has, the more water it's using. So if you have a plant in a brighter area, yes, you're going to water more often than you are planted in a low light area. And you know that that would make sense. You you would think that that would just be intuitive, but I I, for, I think that a lot of folks, myself included, forget that plants come from outside. They don't. They never started inside. Inside. That is correct. That is true. <laughs> That's why when people say you can't water African violets, you can't get water on their leaves. You can never water them. You know, get water on their leaves. And I tell them every plant came from outside. African violets live outside in Africa, in the Tanz- uh, in Tanzania. So they're getting rained on. They get water on their leaves. So everything can get water on it. So now that we've covered getting your plants watered, can you tell me a little bit about what kind of soil you should get? So I make my own soil. Um, Our family owns a garden center. So I order huge wholesale bags of soil. And when you have a thousand house plants, that's a necessary thing. I I would go through so many bags of small soil. So um, I mix my own. But if you can, which most people cannot, but if I were... If I were you, I would go and buy a good quality, either a potting soil, you know, like, um, or an actual, would say, houseplant soil. Then I would buy a bag of perlite and a bag of vermiculite. If you don't want to buy both, just buy perlite. And then I would mix a third of your the houseplant soil you bought, a third of perlite and a third of vermiculite, and mix them all together to make it better, a, a, you know, a better draining substance. That being said, when you go to buy houseplant soil or potting soil, I would never buy a soil for my indoor plant that has the water 
crystals, which you really have to be careful with. A lot of potting soils are made for outdoors, and they're going to have those, um, they're like moisture crystals. They're going to add, they're going to hold water better, and that's great for outside. But you do not want that inside. And I also don't Why find trying not to buy because it would keep your plants too wet. It would like completely change the whole, you know, how you would water and everything. I guess you could use it, but then you're going to definitely have to water differently because it's going to hold water. I would just say, skip it all together. Um, And then I also don't like to buy soil and really not really anything you're buying has soil in it anymore. Not always, but usually. So it's called potting medium. Um, I wouldn't buy one with, with fertilizer in it because I want to be in control of when I'm fertilizing my plants and how that's working. But if that's all you can find, then, you know, that's okay. Then you don't have to worry about fertilizing. So let's do that kind of jump in there a little bit because I didn't have fertilizing on my list, but I'm actually really curious. So if you don't buy uh, a potting medium with fertilizer, how, you know, what do you buy? I guess, does it depend on the plant? And then how much do you use of it? Um, I, I buy a, just a straight, um, all purpose balanced fertilizer. So it's 20, 20, 20, the three numbers um, on the bag tell you how much nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium are in the bag. Those are the three macronutrients that they need. So I would just buy something that's 20, 20, 20. And then I would probably never use it full strength inside just because our plants aren't growing like they would outside. But so I would maybe use three quarters of what it says once a month from March through September, let's say that's when they're actively growing. Or you could use a quarter strength of what the bag, what the, you know, instructions say, a quarter strength every time you water. So they're constantly getting, you know, some nutrients. But remember, fertilizer is not food for your plant, it's just nutrients. The only thing that is making your plant grow and it's food for your plant is sunlight or electric light. So don't think if your plant's sick or it needs, you know, it needs something or it's just not doing well that fertilizer is going to cure it. Most likely it probably needs more light because it needs to make more food for the plant. But it's like getting a shot in the arm or taking a vitamin. So it is good, but you just, you know, do it once a month um, with your, or every fourth watering is what I say. Because if you water something more often, you do it every fourth watering. About a quarter strength every time or maybe three quarters of strength every, you know, every fourth time. So you mentioned a second ago, yeah, for sure. You mentioned a second ago that um, you should only, like plants, they, they grow between March to September. Did I hear that correctly? Yes. That's when our, well, okay. and maybe it might, it might be earlier, like maybe in February. It's when the, the days start getting longer, then our plants start waking up. You'll start to see new growth. That's when you can start fertilizing your plants. I always tell people March because that's usually what it is here in Michigan. But if you're not in Michigan, when your plants start waking up, um, you can and you see new growth in the spring, then you can start fertilizing them. And then when the days start getting shorter, and I always say through maybe through September, um, then you don't need to fertilize them because then they're resting for the winter and they, they aren't actively growing, so they don't need that extra shot in the arm. Gotcha. Okay, well, that definitely, I don't do that currently. I'm going to have to add add that to my regimen for the couple plants that I have, and I'm going to start doing it, I guess, now because it's... Uh, I think when this episode's going to air, it's going to be August. So yeah, we'll we'll start doing it now. Okay, so then on to number three, and this I know is another big one that I didn't do very well with my past plants, but knowing how much light I have, and you know, in the space that I'm in, it does the plant have enough light? How can I tell? 
Okay. So, well, there's a couple different ways. So let's first of all determine what kind of light you have. So I tell people to read the plant tag, which sometimes it doesn't really tell you too much, but sometimes it does. It'll say, I need medium light or I need bright light. I need low light. So to me, your low to medium and sometimes even brighter depends on how it, how the sun is, how your house is exactly facing. The east is a great, you know, medium light. And east, you know, is when the sun comes up, then in your window, then you know that's facing east. If it calls for bright light, and you have light in your window all day, you know, all all afternoon, really hot, bright light all afternoon, then it's probably facing south. That's your brightest, you know, the most sun. If you have a cactus or a highest light succulent, then you're, that's where you're going to put those is in that south window. And then if the sun is, um, you know, the sun swings around and it lowers, you know, it's going down in your window, then it's facing west. That's also a, a bright to medium light. Um, and then if you don't really, there's never any sun directly shining in your window, it faces north. And that's where you're going to put your low light plant. And, you know, you could also put a low light plant maybe six or seven feet away from a south window or four or five feet from a west window. So even if you have really bright light and you like ferns and calatheas, you're not going to put them right, right in that west window. You're going to put them back a little ways. So try to determine, you know, by those exposures, what kind of light you have. And remember, you have to take into account, is there a building three feet away next door? Is there uh, a big deciduous or evergreen tree right outside the window? You may have a self-exposure, but it's not getting a whole ton of light because of what's outside. I think just there, this description of each direction and how much light that corresponds to is gold. I think that I, first of all, have even after all the time we've talked before this, I never really knew this corresponding chart idea. And, uh, I think everyone is really going to love that. So that is fantastic. Um, just to recap, just to make sure I got it right. Um, so East is a medium light South and South is really the brightest West is medium to bright. And then North is low. Correct. And you know, your East window, if it's back, even back a few feet from the West East window, that could be definitely considered a lower light too. Yeah. But I think this is just a great kind of strategy for for folks, myself included, just knowing, you know, if something says it needs medium light, okay, well, maybe I put it in a west window a few feet back, or I just put it in an east window. Yes. And the east window, you know, the west window and east window kind of have, the, it pretty much have the same, you know, sun's coming up in one, going down in the other. So it kind of has the same, it shines further into the room than the south does in the summer. Um, but that hot, that west sun is so much hotter and um, in, the, in the afternoon. So that's why the east I say is more medium to low because it's a softer, cooler light in the morning. That's where I put all my ferns and my begonias and aspidistras, things like that. All right. So let's move from the three most common questions into some strange myths that you've heard. I know that as we've talked, you've told me about uh, a number of um, some crazy things that people people have asked you. So let's go over the top three. Uh, number one, you've told me that people have said that they should bake their soil. Oh my goodness. If you read any of the old, older houseplant books, people go outside and use soil. I actually have a plant in my house that I did. It's all been taken care of now. But my brother had a plant from my grandmother's funeral and he gave it to me. He didn't want it any longer. And of course, someone's handing me a sentimental houseplant, period, sentimental or house plant i took it and it was like literally in cement it was cement i'm like what did you where did you get this and he's like i just went out in the field and dug it up and, and put a plant in it it almost 
I don't know how the plant was living. But a lot of people just, you know, in the older books, it tells you to go outside, use soil, and you bake it to get make sure there's no pathogens or earthworms or bugs in it. It smells awful. I've actually never done it, but I've heard <laughs> it smells awful. And, you know, I'm like, oh, that's just, that's gross. So, and it, and it, it isn't really, like I said, his dad turned into cement, the stuff that he had in this. It's not, it's not mixed to be in a container. It's, it's, it's to be outside in a huge, that huge container that we call the earth. Um, so don't, don't bake your soil, make some cookies, you know, forget that the whole baking thing. Just go buy, and buy some potting mix. Um, or use maybe compost, you know, cause compost is hot and it does, it's gotten hot and it doesn't have, usually doesn't have anything in it. If you want to put some compost in your house plants, there's nothing wrong with that. Not yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Even if I had heard this or read it in a book, I don't know that I would have been um, perhaps that, that naive myself. I'm not a houseplant expert, but baking soil does seem kind of silly. Yeah, um, I don't know why they used to think that was a thing. Maybe because they didn't have anything else available to them. You know, we have so much available to us now, and you know, they've come a long way, baby. With the, you know, with the <laughs> different kinds of potting medium and different and mixing them to make them better for your plants. You know, it's. it's they, we don't have to use garden fill anymore, so please don't. Yes. Uh, all right. So the next kind of silly myth, and this one is, um, I, I don't even know, but um, number two is that I should shine my leaves with mayonnaise. Tell me about that. Um, a lot of people, grandma used to say, you know, get your milk too, milk and mayonnaise, because they, they're they shiny. You know, mayonnaise has oil in it, and milk, I don't know, when it kind of when it dries, it's sticky, and it gets kind of shiny. I'm like, you know, I'm having, a, I have a new kitten and I'm trying to keep him off my plants, which I've never had this problem before. And I think if I put milk or mayonnaise on it, I would just be ringing the dinner bell even worse. So, yes, you know, absolutely. It, it, it's just, you know, you're putting oil on your plant that's going to attract more dust. You're clogging the pores. That would be like putting, you know, like oil on your face and clogging your pores. You're clogging the, the stomata, which are the pores that the plant breathes through. Um, let's, let's just not do that. It, and, and none of that plant shine either. You go out and you can buy plant shine. I know a lot of people say that that's, I don't know. I just, I just want a natural shine. Just use water and a sponge. That's all you need. Put it in the shower. Give it a nice shower and, you know, not with soap. Just shower to get all that dirt and dust off and that's all they really need. It's all they're getting outside. I don't think anybody's out there, um, you know, dusting them or with mayonnaise or milk or oil or anything. They're just getting rained on. That's all they need. Oh, I should probably stop doing that outside then. You know, I just take mayonnaise with me every, <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, stop it. <laughs> I should I'm probably having, stop. Outside, I'm, having, I mean, I'm outside having problems with deer eating everything, so that really <laughs> wouldn't be good. Good breed. No. Oh, man. I, the things people come up with. I, okay. Um, but let's move into number three. And this one, I can see how some folks may get a little more confused by this one. So this one I think is a little more legit. But the third one that we're going to talk about is that I should put gravel in my pot for drainage. Tell me about drainage. This is a still, still to this day a very controversial um, subject. Many people still do it. I have people raise their hands when I'm doing talks and I'm really mean and say don't. And I really tell them don't raise your hands because I'm going to embarrass you. No. Um, <laughs> but it, it's been, it's like the science and it's been proven a long time. It's just no one ever listens to it. It's when you have great, when you have potting medium, it's got little air holes between the particles, right? The plant roots need oxygen. And that's why we water it so the water runs all the way through. It's drawing oxygen down through those little spaces. So then when you have gravel, it obviously has bigger air spaces because of bigger particles. Well, water does not easily move from small air spaces into larger air spaces. 
So your the, the soil or potting medium above the gravel is going to be completely saturated before, and probably oversaturated before that water is draining into those into that gravel. So it's not necessary. It would be better to have a longer soil column as well. You're, if you have if you don't have gravel at the bottom, that means you have more potting medium or soil, and it's giving your the roots more places to grow. You know, more going to be better for your plant. So you don't you don't need it. Don't put anything in there. Just all, all potting medium. And the point, and the big point is a lot of people put those, put that gravel in there when they don't have a, a drainage hole. Got to have a drainage hole. Get your diamond tip to drill that out, your masonry drill bit, and drill a hole in whatever you're putting your plant in. And if you don't want to drill a hole in it, then use it as a cash pot. You know, leave your plant in the grower's pot it comes in, put it inside that pot just so it's hid, the grower's pot is hidden, take it out, water it let it drain, and then put it back in that pot that doesn't have a drainage hole. That's my, my two cents on that. <laughs> so you used a, a word I think most folks won't know. It's cashpo, and if I'm correct, it's spelled C-A-C-H-E-P-O-T, right? Correct. It's a French word. It means hide a pot. So you're, it's, it's, a, it's just using a decorative pot without a drainage hole in it, and you're, putting, you know, you're hiding the utilitarian grower's pot inside that pot. And a lot of pots are like that now because a lot of the orchids come without drainage holes, the orchid pots, but they're in, you know, they have that plastic pot inside that you take out, take to the sink, water it, let it drain and put it back. So there's a lot of, and a lot of people don't want to, you know, make sure we don't get anything, we don't want any water getting on our good furniture or whatever. But I take all those pots that have no holes and I get my diamond tip drilled it out and I drill a hole. And then I make sure I have a really, you know, impervious water saucer underneath it so that it's not no water is getting through onto my plant stands or my furniture or whatever sure so just i'm just going to recap this because i know this one is super important and i think a lot of folks mix this up so your plant has to drain right and when you as you said before you're watering so that the water goes all the way through the plant to the drainage hole and it should be draining out the bottom so we're not using gravel in the bottom of the plant to help kind of, ele- I think this is maybe at least what my reading of this is, but that people think if you put gravel in the bottom, it gives the place, the water a place to sit so it doesn't you know, drown the plant. And that's, I know that doesn't work as you explained. And so it's either drill a hole and have, you know, a, a saucer or a drip tray or use, um, you know, the plant, the, the plastic pot or whatever that the plant came in with a decorative one around it as a cash bow. Those are basically your options, drainage or cash bow. That's, that's it. it. That's correct. That's, that's my opinion. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, I will tell you that I didn't used to do this correctly and I do now and my plants all are surviving. So, uh, you know, it, it must work. Um, so I, you know, folks, they may, they may differ. I'm curious to know if anyone in the audience, um, differs at the end of the show, I'll give the link to the show notes. You can leave comments there and we can talk about this more, but I will say for me, it absolutely works. And then if they just Google it and look up and it usually those kind of, you know, the gravel on the bottom of the pot, you have to look at, you know, sites that are, I always, if I'm going to look something up, I look in, in under something that's a university because they're doing studies. So I don't just believe you can believe me, of course, but <laughs> don't just you can't believe everything you read on the internet. But if it's a scientific, it's scientifically proven fact that um, gravel is not necessary in the bottom of a pot. 
All right, let's get into, I think, what everyone is here for, and this is some house plants that are great for beginners. We talked about a few. I know that you've got quite a lot, but let's give folks um, three of the best, and the way we'll do this is I'll ask you for each one, and then we'll talk a little bit about it and care for it, whether or not it's pet friendly, how much water, how much light, stuff like that. So number one, can you give me, you told me that the ZZ plant is one of those uh, best for beginner plants. It really is. I tell people that you could almost grow it in a closet, but don't. Um, it really takes <laughs> a, a low light, um, and it has this fleshy root system. So it, it really holds its water. You don't have to water it really often. In fact, if you if it's in really low light and you water it too much, you're going to kill it. So it's kind of a neglect, a plant that you could neglect if you're one of those people that forgets water. Um, and it, it really, it's shiny leaves. It's kind of, it's a very architectural plant, and um, it's it's beautiful. And it really, really does well in extremely low light, but it is not pet friendly. So. Okay. I bought one for home and then looked it up and realized that it was bad for my kitten, Louie, and took it to work. And I bought this by accident before you told me, not by accident, but just by coincidence. And then I came to you and said, how do I take care of this? And you said, you basically don't have to do anything and it'll stay, stay alive. So I'm glad. And it's been... Thir- it's surviving and growing. I've got a marker on my wall to see how, how tall it gets over where it was when I first bought that it. That is so. so cool. I like that. Yep. Yeah, I took like a little, you know, office-related supply thing. I took one of those little um, sticky tabs and stuck it on my, win- <laughs> on my window so I can monitor how tall it gets. So. I mean, it's not something that you, like if you go to the store and you're like, well, I only have, I really have bright lights, so I can't have that plant. And it is a very, very cool architectural shiny green plant that anybody could want it will it will do fine in some pretty high light so it's just saying that it will very well tolerate low light but it will take you know medium to bright light as well so it's kind of an all-around good plant yeah just don't have it around your pets right and i don't want people to steer clear of it just because well i have this really bright light i guess i can't have it that's not true it can it will do okay in bright light as well yeah, no, mine is, mine is in an east-facing window, and it's been fine. It's been right in the corner of that east-facing window. And, yeah, so it's been, you know, decent brightness, although it's morning sun. So it's, as you said, it's not as warm, but uh, it, it does it does quite well. Mine's right there. Mine's on that east window, too, and it's doing great. Yep. So, and I will have pictures of all of these plants in the show notes. So if anyone wants to, to come by and take a look at what these plants look like, you can. So uh, let's move into number two. And you said that the another um, great plant for beginners is the spider plant. Yes. And, it, you know, it's, it's a fun plant, too, if you have kids, because it has those little, you know, it has the, it's a spider plant. They call it spider because it has these long, you know, it's a kind of gra- it looks kind of grassy. And then it has these long um, things that come out and they have little babies hanging on the end. So they also call it an airplane plant. So if your kids like airplanes, fine, because they're sprayed of spiders, you can call it an airplane plant. And it's, and it's just kind of an interesting plant because it sends out these babies on these long arms, or whatever you want to call them, stems, and they kind of swing in the air. And what's good is because they swing, cats like them, and they're grassy, and so that's another reason why cats like them, and they can chew on them and it's not going to hurt them. It's not. They may hack it up on your floor, but it's not going to kill them or anything. It's not toxic. Okay, great. And how about water and light? How does it do with water and light? So it can take a pretty low light, if, especially if you have the, the all green one. There's different kinds. There's ones that are all green. There's the ones that are, um, you know, striped white and green. So if you really have low light, the lower light, I would go with the all green one. Um, variegated plants need more light than non-variegated plants. And water, it would depend on, you know, where 
what which exposure is in, how much water you know, the sun is getting. But it's you know, I would keep it barely moist. I wouldn't let it dry out completely, but I wouldn't keep it sopping wet either. So this sounds like a pretty versatile plant overall. It's good, you know, with kids around. It's good with pets around. The lighting doesn't need too um, too much intense light. It can be placed, you know, lots of places in your space, and you don't have to keep it super moist. So it sounds pretty forgiving. Yes. All right, and then let's move into the third and uh, one of our top three best house plants for beginners. What? Um, tell me a little bit about the peace lily. So a peace lily is um, it's a, it's, a, it's a common plant. It's I know it's this is awful, but it's awful often given you know at times of um, in a funeral or but it's a nice it's because it's an, a peace lily. It's a nice plant. It has a white flower, um, and what's good about it is it you can take low light. If you have the all green one, there's variegated one as well. And it might even flower in your north window, which is pretty impressive. Maybe not, but if it's close enough to the the north and getting quite, you know, some good reflective light, it will probably bloom for you. And what's even better is it's so forgiving of of water. I have a friend who literally waits for it to be wilted, and then she knows it needs water. Now, I don't recommend that. It does work, and it will come right back up. That's that's the good good part. You, You know, you probably won't kill it. But... If you let a plant, I just uh, wrote a blog post about that last night. If you let a plant wilt to the point, that's how you that's how you know when it needs water. That's how you, it, you know that's your indicator you use. It's gonna there's gonna be some consequences. You're gonna lose some leaves. Leaves are gonna yellow. Your plant's not gonna do as well as if you just made sure it did not wilt. But um, and peacefulies really like water, so you you know they're gonna wilt pretty quickly if you don't pay attention to them, but you know, you definitely want to keep them moist. And then how about this plant with, uh, with pets? Is this one all right? No, it's toxic. Oh, it's too bad. Cause it's so, I'm looking at a picture right now and it, it is beautiful. So if you've got pets, not great, but I'm actually really tempted cause I, I, I Googled it as we've been talking and it's such a beautiful plant that I'm tempted to get one of these from my office too. Cause I like having greenery there. So, uh, yeah. And it I, really does, it does take some pretty, pretty low light. And if it has a, you know, and if it just, you know, even with some low to medium light, it's probably going to send up a few blooms for you. And the blooms last quite a long time. So. Does it bloom uh, only during certain times of the year? No, I think if, if it has enough light, it's going to bloom. It'll kind of bloom all through the year. So that's why it's a good plant. You know, even even in the dark of winter, if it has enough, you know, enough light, it's still going to bloom. So it's, it's okay. nice. And, it's, and every plant's cyclical, so there may be times it's not blooming. But, um, you know, when it comes up and... The, really, the flower, there's like a little spike, and then there's this like white sheath that surrounds it. Really, the spike mm-hmm. is the flower, and then the thing around it is called a spadix. And that's the colorful part that you, you know, you're going to see, that you're going to notice. And it, that, that can stay up for quite a long time, even if the flower is done, and you, you can even cut that off. When I worked in a, I used to work taking care of plants in offices. We would cut that off because there was pollen that would drop onto the leaves, and that would make it unattractive. So we would actually just cut the flower off and just leave that white flag um, part up. That's really the showy part. All right. I think that's everything I had prepared for you. I really could have asked you about 100,000 questions today because I know that I have them and that means that lots of other people have them as well. But I'm going to leave it here because I think that this was uh, you know, a lot of good information. So I will have a whole write-up of this in the show notes at easiercast.com and I will make sure to put photos and everything from everything we talked about there. So I wanted to overall say thank you so much, Lisa, for being on the show. But before you go, can you tell folks how, if they're interested in your work, where they can find you? 
All right. You can find me at houseplantguru.com. Beautiful new website that Anthony himself made. Thank you so much. And um, there's a contact page on there. I can come and uh, I've gotten a lot of um, people contacted me. So that's been great. Then you can, I can come and do programs at, you know, I'm doing programs at libraries and garden clubs, master gardener groups, um, any, any kind of group that meets and wants to learn about plants. I can do that. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, um, Pinterest, LinkedIn. Um, I'm always, I'm always on all those. You can contact me through any of those two with questions and pictures and I can help you out that way as well. So one quick additional question is about your speaking. Do you only speak in the Metro Detroit area or have you gone kind of outside of this area for, for speaking engagements? No, I've been, I've been all over the country um, speaking. I've been to Seattle, um, Iowa, Virginia. I'm, I can go anywhere anybody wants me to go. Well, I hope that if folks uh, are, have questions or their organizations do, that they reach out to you because, as you can tell, you know Lisa has a, amazing wealth of information about this, and people really do love it. I know I do. So, again, thank you so much, Lisa, for being on the show, and uh, I'm sure that I'll have you back in the future to talk a little more about houseplants. Thank you so much, Anthony. I really appreciate it. It was a great. It was very fun. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Lisa. so grateful to Lisa for being on the show today and I really enjoyed the ideas that she brought and I know that I've gotten a lot more successful because of her tips in keeping my houseplants alive. I've actually really kind of uh, developed, uh, you know, quite a fascination with houseplants. I've gotten a number and I still want more. It's just kind of limited by the the light that I have available. So, Um, Before we jump into that problem and my favorite thing for this episode, let's talk a little bit about um, making work easier. And this, I'm just going to share with you the two plants that I keep in my office, and I actually would like more. But currently, one of the plants that I share is called a ZZ plant, and this plant is like indestructible. I know that Lisa, I think she touched a little bit on it in an interview. I'll be honest, I didn't (laughs) go back and listen to the whole interview as I'm recording this, so if I'm repeating myself, my apologies. But this is a plant I keep in my office. I will have photos in the show notes, of course, but... This is a plant I have, and it, you know, I've been told it's basically indestructible. You have to uh, really work to kill it. Yeah, we talked about this. I remember now. But the thing has been growing. I In the photo that I'm going to post in the show notes, you can see it's. I've had it for about three months. It's August now. Well, maybe about four, just verging on four. I got it the middle of April, and it's now August, and you can see how big it's gotten in just that little bit of time. Um, there's uh, in, in the photo, you can see in the blinds behind it, there's a little red dot, and I actually put that there. It's like one of those flags that you would put as um, a marker on a document. I stuck that on the blinds behind it to mark the highest point, like the plant did not co- go past that point when I bought it. So, you can see how much it's grown just by looking at that. So that's one of the plants. It's actually the one on the left in the photo. It's, you know, real big and and leafy. And what we're actually thinking about doing with this plant is propagating it, meaning we're thinking about taking some of the smaller kind of smaller babies of the plant and putting them in water or soil and letting them start to sprout and then putting them in their own potters and spreading that plant around. So we have a number of them throughout the main office at my school. So that's pretty cool. The other one is an aloe plant, and I got actually both of these at Ikea, and as I've gotten more into houseplants, I'm starting to realize how much of a problem going to Ikea is going to be, because they have a huge plant section. So I got this aloe plant, this easy plant too, at Ikea, 
And just recently, Kevin, we went out uh, on a friend's boat. We were out for a, a large portion of the day and he, we kept sunscreen on the whole time. But at one point, Kevin forgot to do his back again. And so he got pretty burned on his back and he came home and it's been healing, but it's hurt. And then it started to, you know, I started this kind of, it's kind of gross, but it started to really itch because it's been healing. And so I, for the first time, cut one of the leaves off of the aloe plant, brought it home, split it in half and took that aloe and used it on him. And it, he, it really helped him. You know, it brought the itching down, it brought the, the burning down. And so it's great. It's completely natural. And I was really excited to have used something that I grew myself. So that's another plant that I have. Just keep in mind that both of those plants are toxic for, for pets. So that's why I have them at my office. They're so cool. But if you've got pets, you need to be careful. So those are the two I've got in my office. And I will definitely include photos of them in the show notes. Thank you so much for being a part of the Easier Audience. If you love the show, I could use your help. There are monthly costs with keeping the show going, and to help reduce that cost, I use special affiliate links to Amazon. That means that whenever I recommend a product and you then use my link to buy it, I make a small commission. You don't pay a penny more for that product. Amazon just cuts me a tiny percent. In addition to clicking on my products, you can also use the link easiercast.com slash Amazon to shop Amazon for any product at all on any kind of device, mobile, desktop, tablet. That link, easiercast.com slash Amazon, will take you to Amazon's homepage and you can shop just like you always would. But this will generate extra commissions to support future episodes of Easier. And again, it won't cost you a penny more please consider using my link to shop on Amazon, again, easiercast.com slash Amazon, or if you were planning to purchase one of my favorite things, head to the show notes for the episode and click the link. The tiniest commissions add up to making a real difference and any support for Easier is so appreciated. All right, let's get back to the show. All right, a quick favorite thing. I actually have a soil tester that's really cool. It was so inexpensive on Amazon. And this is something where it's got like two long little spiky things uh, attached to, um, you know, basically, I don't even know, like a gauge. And you stick that in your plant and it does three things. It actually measures the amount of moisture in the plant, which is very helpful. So it does that. And then you change the, the, the knob and it measures the pH in the plant. It measures the pH of the soil. And finally, it has a sensor on it to measure the light in the area, which tells you how much light the plant is receiving. And it's so helpful to have that metric. And the coolest thing about it is that it doesn't require any electricity, no battery, no nothing. It is totally free of, you know, it's totally environmentally friendly. It works very well. So the one I have is the Sonker Soil pH Tester. It'll be in my favorite things. And the other thing about it is it's only like eight bucks, super inexpensive, and it works very well. And it just gives you a guide as to how your plants are doing. So if you're unsure about how it's going, definitely try this out. The favorite thing will be in the show notes. You can grab it there. And as always, if you're going to grab it, I would really appreciate if you'd use the link in the show notes because that supports this show. Okay. 
Okay, finally for riding the struggle bus this week. This is something that I have really been struggling with is the way that my apartment is positioned most, well, the way our apartment faces, the whole, all of our windows face south. And so getting light kind of to the interior of the apartment is a little bit tricky. We have, you walk in the main, the front door and we're only in a one bedroom apartment. And so you walk in the front door and we've got kind of an open concept living and kitchen space. And then we've got a bathroom and the bedroom and the, the living room has big, a big sliding door and that's really the main source of sunlight in here. And then the bedroom has a window that they both face the same way. And so as you get inside the apartment, even a few feet, the light really diminishes. And I've had trouble keeping some plants alive because they just don't get enough light. I actually, unfortunately, killed a, a bonsai tree that I had last year called the Chinese elm. It was beautiful. It was pretty expensive too. And I think that what I learned, I had so many problems with it, but I think that one of the main problems is that it didn't get enough light where I had it in the apartment. So that was an issue. And then I have a, I got a couple of plants and I was given a little bit of misguidance at the the plant shop on one of them. And so far it's not been doing too well. One of them has been great. I have a goldfish plant at home and it's the coolest thing. I, I haven't seen it bloom yet, but the blooms look like teeny little goldfish. So that's cool. But I got one known as a baby tears or angel tears plant. And that one has not done very well. I think I'm going to have to to give up on this one. It's, it's just not coming back and try another spot. So something I'm thinking about doing is getting a plant stand to put up in front of that big window so that I can put all the plants there and they get enough light. So I'm thinking about doing that. But if anyone else has any other thoughts on how I can solve this light problem, I'd really love your help. It would be lovely to not <laughs> to not kill my plants. So if you have any suggestions on this, always the way to comment on the struggle bus is to call into the show. And I should add that when you call, you never have to speak to a person. You'll call. It's just um, a voicemail that will tell you what to say, you know, leave your name and stuff. And then you just talk and that's all you have to do, right? You never have to speak to a person. And I would love to cut you into the show to give your thoughts on this topic on a future episode. So I really would love to hear from you. If you would like to call in from any phone, you can dial 313-242-7473 or easier to remember, 313-BIB-RISE. BIB is in a baby's bib and rise is in to go up. And no, those words mean nothing. They just are nonsense words that help you remember the number. So please call in. I would love to hear from you and... Let's hopefully we can solve this problem together. All right, it's time for our weekly roundup. First of all, please remember to use my affiliate links either to buy this episode's favorite thing or just go to easiercast.com slash Amazon and shop as you normally would. Remember, it doesn't cost you anything extra. It'll just help generate some commissions that support the show and keep me going month to month. If you would do that, I would so appreciate it. Next, remember to call in and share your thoughts on the struggle this week. 313-242-7473 or 313-BIB-RISE. Then, if you're looking for the show notes, they're always at easiercast.com slash episode number. And this week is episode number 47. So that's easiercast.com slash 47. There you'll find everything from today's episode, space to leave comments, all of my favorite things, links to subscribe to the show, and how to find easier on Facebook, which is my preferred social media channel. So head there. That's easiercast.com slash 47. Finally, if you know anyone 
who would benefit from the tips I've covered in this episode, please be sure to share it with them. Hopefully, every share means that someone somewhere will find more time for what matters most to them. As always, thank you so much for listening. And until next week, here's to an easier life. Bye for now.